0: Thank you for tuning in to the Access Church podcast of the week. We hope that you are both challenged and encouraged by this message. Yes, I want to speak to you today on the glory of God. I want to speak to you on today, the glory of God, because I believe this next year, and I have continued to believe this next year, um, we are going to see greater measures of God's glory revealed on this earth like never before. And I believe that we are, if we position ourselves as hungry, ready people wanting to seek the heart of God, we are going to see him in a way we've never seen him before. I want to see him in his fullness. Anybody else want to see him in his fullness? I was praying a few weeks back, and um, I always try and ask the Lord, if you don't know, I, I direct the Empower Ministries here, which is the women's ministry. If you're new here, welcome. We will be on our regularly scheduled program next week as Pastor Zach returns. I'm his wife. Um, I, I lead the Empower Ministries, and I always ask the Lord uh, towards like October, November time frame, Lord, what do you have for uh, the next year? Is there something visionary that needs to be Tweaked is there something we need to start or stop because i don't want, want to just get into the rut of doing things just because we do them I want to be spirit led and so I begin to ask him, and he gave me a very specific word he said the word defined, and I said, okay, and, and I know we just came out of a um, A study on identity in Christ. And so I was like, okay, we're going to ride with that and we're going to see what God wants to do. But every time I've prepared for something else for this year, he brings it back to the surface. And the word defined for today is that we will be a body defined by the glory of God being revealed every single time we gather. That's my heart. That is what I want. So church, I want to know, I want to see, I want to experience God like we've never have before, but I also want people to hear about it so that they come and they see and they believe and they experience God in his fullness. Here's one thing that I know, though, about vision and casting a little bit of vision. You know, we're in this corporate prayer and fasting. We should be um, on the same page as what we are seeking together as a body. And um, we have the daily prayer points and whatnot. But I want to just cast a little bit of vision for you. If we are seeking the glory of God to be revealed in our body, in our midst, over this next year like we never have before, It's important that that is first uh, spoken to you so that we can have unity in the body as we seek the heart of God. If you look, when um, Jesus came back to the earth, when he was resurrected, before he was ascended, he went to his apostles and he said to them, you go to Jerusalem and you wait for the gift that my father is sending because it's going to come, but you have to wait and, and you will receive the Holy Spirit in a few days. And when they went, they not only received that vision, they walked in obedience, they waited, they tarried, and they were in one accord. They were unified in spirit before the Holy Spirit was poured out. So it's important when I say this that you are grasping this in your heart and in your spirit because I'm not just going to, I don't want to be the solo person going after the heart of God for this church. I want us as a body to be moving in the same direction. Amen. So may we be defined by his glory in us and through us this year. Now more than ever, I believe we need the help of the Holy Spirit to live differently to live differently than the world lives. And, you know, oftentimes I think Christians will say things like, we were created for his glory, or I want to glorify him, or I've fallen short of the glory of God. But what do these things even mean? Sometimes we use the phrase so much that it's tempting to write it off as meaningless but I would submit to you today that we need to embrace the the glory of God in a way and all of those statements that we say because it describes something incredibly important. What is the glory of God? Let's just kind of like lay the foundation before we get into some of the examples of God's glory. What is the glory of God? It's simply the greatness and the goodness of God shining out to the world. It is his manifest beauty of his holiness, How then, if we're praying for God's glory to be revealed in our midst, right? Because there's not a Sunday I come here where I don't sense the presence of God in this place. The Holy Spirit's faithful. He meets with us. But what about as we pray about the glory revealed, what about that? How does that... How, do, how does his goodness and his greatness and his his holiness, how is that then revealed in our midst? There's three things that generally refer to God's glory. These are the ways. The first one is connected to what God does. It's his actions to the world. It's things like his mercy, his grace, his healing, his forgiveness, his uh, miraculous signs. They're things that tangibly we see him do and act out. And, and, and that is referring to his glory. The second has to do with God's reputation. It's who he is. It's for his name's sake that things happen that he causes to happen. Just like Pastor Nate referenced last week, it's for his name's sake. So it has to do with who God is. And the third has to do with the beauty of his very being. His manifest beauty of in his fullness and his holiness. Let me just read this to you. God's attributes and characteristics are on display all around us. And he is so incredible that even a word like glory falls short of the reality of his awesomeness. If you think about it, where's on water? My mouth is dry from fasting. Hold on. Um, something we need to remember is that these ways of referring to God's glory, they're all connected. You can't disconnect them. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you've been with us for some time, you've heard me say this, so I'm just going to repeat it. And it is you cannot separate the difference between who God is and what he does. You can't. There, it, you know, when he calls himself Jehovah Rapha, he, he is the one who heals us. Okay, so when we refer to his glory, we're talking about who he is, his reputation, what he does, and the very beauty of Of his very being, everything, everything was created for the glory of God. That's why he made us. say that's why he made me. This means that humanity was made to display his awesomeness right here on this earth. We get to be carriers, of the glory of God. We get to be carriers of God's glory. I don't know about you, but that actually really excites me. Because it takes me from like mundane, everyday, boring living, to a place where I'm in constant expectancy of God. What are you going to do in me today? What are you going to do through me today? What is it uh, you, you you have your eyes wide open to the things of like, are you leading me in this conversation with this person? Because the glory of God manifested in you will flow through you as you are living day to day. You were made for the glory of God. You are made to be a carrier of his glory. If we're going to talk about God's glory being revealed, I want to paint a picture of what his glory looks like. John 1:14 says this. I think it's going to be on the screen. So the word, who's the word? Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So Jesus is the glory of God himself. Let's look at Hebrews 1, chapter 3. The Son, meaning Jesus, radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. The Son, Jesus Christ, is the exact representation of God's glory. He is the glory. What does radiate mean? To clearly emanate. Some of you, you don't even know it, but you have something radiating from your face right now. You know, it's what we carry. It's who we are. We can radiate the glory of God through our face, through our actions. That's what Jesus did. It says he radiated God's own glory. He, in his expression, in his acts, in the very core of who Jesus is and what he did, radiated God's glory. Everything about Jesus was done to the glory of God, his very nature pointing back to the Father. So when we think of God's glory, we should think of Jesus. So let's talk about what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? We see in John 19, 10, you can look at those passages or you can just listen. In John 19, 10, it says, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. One of his missions in life was to go after the lost, to go after the hurting, to go after those that were marginalized, to go after those who needed him. The next verse in Luke 4, 18, 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus talking, is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim that captives be released, that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. What What else do we see? He came to seek and save the lost. He came to bring good news to the poor, proclaim captives to be released. The blind will see. He was a healer everywhere he went. He was touching hearts and lives and he cared most about the heart. He cared most about the heart. Don't tell me he didn't, because when the four men uh, brought their friend to Jesus and they lowered him through the roof, what did Jesus say? Son, your sins are forgiven. And all the religious, righteous, holy people said, who do you think you are? Only God can do that. Which one do you, and Jesus said, which one do you think is harder? To say your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. And, and, and he said, so that I can prove to you, take up your mat and walk. Go home. He cares most about the heart. Before his physical healing, there was a a healing in his heart. He came to set the oppressed free. Let's look at Matthew 423. It says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people, demonstrating and revealing that he was indeed the promised Messiah. So we see Jesus, in three, three things. He was teaching. Why? To show concern for their understanding of who God is. He was preaching to show concern that they need to make a commitment and be in relationship with that God. And then he went about healing people to show concern for their wholeness. Jesus is the exact representation of our heavenly father. He is the glory of God. So I'm really big on expressing the why behind the what. What am I preaching? The glory of God revealed. We've we've discussed what it is at this point. Why am I preaching it? Because I believe that we are in a time where we will see in Jesus' name a great harvest of souls for the kingdom. And every single time I studied in Scripture the glory of God being revealed, it caused people to believe. Every time we don't just seek the works of God, we seek His face. And it's out of the intimacy with him that we see him move and we see him manifest his glory. And then all of a sudden it causes people who don't know him or even those who do. We're going to look at examples of people who do know the Lord, but they needed confirmation. God, are you there? Are you real? Are you for us? So every time the glory of the Lord is revealed, it causes people to believe. And I am so grateful for that because that gives me hope. That as we seek the face of God and we go after him like we never have before in 2024, we're going to see more of God's glory, but we're also going to see a great harvest of souls. My heart is to see salvation upon salvation upon salvation. We've been sowing seeds of prayer specific for this body that we will see a great amount of souls come into the kingdom. I want to look at patterns in the Bible where the Lord did a mighty thing and it drove people to faith in him. So let's go ahead and go to, um, I have a couple examples here, and then I actually am trying to reserve quite a bit of time for some ministry time at the end, so um, you can just prepare your hearts for that as well. Here's my first example. We're going to look at a, a, a scripture in Exodus chapter 14, and it is a, this first portion is a foreshadowing of something that God is saying to Moses that he's going to do for the children of Israel. And many of you might be familiar with this story, but if you're not, God's chosen people were just delivered out of captivity. Um, They had been under the Egyptian uh, control and God uh, rescued them, called them out, and now they're escaping and they're fleeing for their lives. They're leaving Egypt and they're headed towards their promised land. But all of a sudden they come up against this Red Sea and it presented a problem that looked insurmountable. Let's look at verse 13. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people to go forward, lift up your staff, and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the people of Israel uh, may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots, his horsemen, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten the glory." Okay, so uh, the Lord is saying, uh, he gave an instruction. How many of you are thankful for leaders who, when God gives an instruction, they follow it? Because sometimes we've been under leaders where God will give an instruction and they don't. What if Moses, in this instant, did not go forward, stretch out his staff in his hand, and, and, and the Red Sea would not have parted? What in the world would they have been in chaos? I, I, I don't even want to guess. But he did. Okay. He did. He followed the instruction of the Lord. So the Lord gave the word, but he also said, I'm going to get the glory. This sign is going to be a sign. My glory is going to come and and I'm going to do a miraculous thing in this, in their midst. And the Egyptians are going to know. Are they going to believe? They'll, they'll know and they will believe in this moment. So now here is, uh, the actual deliverance scripture in Exodus 14, 29 through 31. Moses is now recounting God's glory having been shown forth in the situation. It says, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being on a wall to the, uh, to the right of them. And on their left, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So here we see that God's glory was revealed through a miraculous parting of a massive sea, and not only did they walk through, they walked through on dry ground. Picture that for a moment, because sometimes I think we read these stories, and we just blaze through the details, but they walked through on dry ground. This was a miraculous moment where God's glory was shining forth, and the waters parted to the left and to the right, and all of a sudden, there's dry ground. There's not muddy ground, which should have been. There's dry ground. They were were able to go through and God performed and came through on his word because he is a God that he should not lie. He is not the son of man that he should have to repent. Amen. Shall Has he said it and will he not do it? God is a God of his word. He gave instruction to Moses. Moses followed through. God came through on his part. God revealed his glory over nature and as a sign to his people because it said the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord, his own children. You know what strikes me as funny when I was thinking about this last night? I was like, God, you literally just sent 10 plagues to the Egyptians to try and wipe them out so that your children would know you are fighting for them and pulling them from Captivity. And yet they walked in in fear of what are we going to do? This, this looks like a, a problem that we're not going to be able. And God came through on his word. He, he is a God who is a faithful God. God in his character, in his very being, he calls himself in scripture faithful. And he is faithful. Let's go to example number two. In First uh, Kings 18, you can turn there with me if you have your Bibles. It's not going to be on the screen. In First Kings 18, or pull open your Bible app. First Kings 18, verse 21. Let's look at the story of the prophet Elijah, okay? And now I know that I said Jesus is the representation of God's own glory. So why am I giving Old Testament examples? Because God's glory was working all through Scripture, yet Jesus was actually present at creation, I don't have time to preach on that. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God, three in one, were all a part of creation. He's been there since the beginning. When he came in human form, he was both fully God and fully man. He was, he was present. So God has been working all through history. All right, we are going to look at New Testament examples too, but I want to look at this one. All right, verse 21. Then Eli- are you still with me? All right, good. You're quiet. I don't like quiet. I live in a loud household. Okay, then Elijah stood in front of them, and said, actually, let me give a little bit of background. So here's Prophet Elijah, right? He was so true to his mission. His mission, he was sent to confront and not comfort God's people. He was sent to bring their hearts and uh, and have a turning back to the Lord. And he stayed true to his mission. So he uh, approaches King Ahab. And Ahab's like, um, you know, are you really here to cause more trouble? And uh, and um, what's his name? Elijah said... You're the troublemaker. You're the one who's causing trouble. And, and so now we find ourselves, and he's going to, like, prove to uh, um, um, uh, all the ungodly people, those that are under King Ahab, he's going to prove to them who the one true living God is. So that's where we pick up in verse uh, 21. It says, um, then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him but the people were completely silent. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. So he gave uh, Ahab instructions. He said this, bring two bulls The the prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces, lay it on wood on the altar, and without setting fire to it, I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on wood on the altar and not set fire to it. And then I'll call on the name of, you call on the name of your God, and then I'm going to call on the name of the Lord God. And the God who answers by setting the wood on fire is the true God. Okay, so then all the people agreed. They're like, sure, we're on the same page. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, go ahead, you go first. And um, so they did. They cut up the, the bowl. They prepared the wood. They called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, oh, Baal, answer us, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. And then they began to dance and hobble around and try and um, get their God's attention. And nothing was happening. In fact, Elijah at one point said, You're going to have to shout louder. And he said, "Uh, Perhaps your God is daydreaming, or perhaps he's relieving himself. (laughs) Actually, that would have been fun to be Elijah in that moment. It was mocking them. Um, Maybe he's away on a trip. Maybe he's asleep and needs to be awakened. He's like, Go ahead, keep trying. So they shouted louder, and then they begin to cut themselves. And to uh, everything that they tried, nothing worked. Nothing worked. So it was now, uh, it actually says there was no sound, no reply no response. So in verse 31, Elijah takes 12 stones, one to represent each of the uh, tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons of water. He piled the wood on the altar, cut the bowl into pieces, laid the pieces on the wood. And then he told someone, fill the jug four times and, and, uh, then pour it over the offering. So he wasn't just like making fun of them. He was like, your God can't answer by fire, but not only is my God going to answer by fire, he's going to be able to lick up wet wood from the fire that comes from heaven. Amen. That's our God. So he said, okay, do, do the same thing again. Okay. Do it a third time. So they poured water, water upon water. Okay. So this thing is saturated and look in verse, um, 36 is his prayer to the Lord. Elijah calls on the Lord and he says, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered me. (laughs) Answer me so that, listen here, so that these people will know that you are the Lord, your God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when the people saw it, okay, what was the manifest glory of God in this moment? The fire from heaven. It was his act in this moment. The fire from heaven fell when the people saw it. Who are these people? They're unbelievers at this point. They're ungodly people. They fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord is God. Every time the glory of God is revealed in scripture, it causes people to believe. Sometimes his children need reminded of his goodness and his greatness shining out. Sometimes we need a reminder and God will show up on the scene and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, God, I know, I know you are a faithful God. You've been faithful before. Thank you for showing yourself strong in my life. Sometimes it's going to happen and it's going to be for people who don't even have a relationship with the Lord. Let's jump to the New Testament. This next example is very, very quick. Okay, we see in John chapter 2, Jesus is now on the scene. He's uh, here in person, and it's the first time we see this happen um, when Jesus performs his first miracle. And it's at a wedding, and he turns water into wine. After he instructs the servants to fill the six jars of water, uh, it miraculously turned to wine. And we see in verse 11, some of you are still turning there. I'm going to read it. In verse 11, it says, the miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Who was this assigned to this time? His, His followers. His, his own followers. This was the first time Jesus revealed his glory in the, the glory manifested here is a miraculous sign. I don't know about you, but I don't know that anybody else in here has ever turned water into wine. Raise your hand if you have. <laughs> have any of you walked on water? No. Okay. But let's go to the, uh, the last example. Turn with me to John chapter 4. Can you tell I'm trying to fly through this a little bit so that we can, this is all good stuff, but take your time. (laughs) All right, here's the truth. All right, before I go to this last example, I just want to talk real talk. People are seeking the real thing right now. They are seeking the real thing. They don't want uh, false um, encounters that leave them empty and bound. They're looking for something real. Every one of us has a a place and a longing and a desire in our heart and in our spirit for the real thing. But some people are just behind the veil. They're confused. How many of you know that the gift of prophecy is a real thing? Okay. Okay. I believe even when people operate in the gifts of the Spirit, it is a sign of His glory coming forth because it causes people to have their eyes wide open. Oh God, you see me in this moment. You know me. Even Jesus knew the thoughts of His accusers before they ever spoke a word. He operated in the gifts, the prophetic gift. And, and even words of knowledge, they're, they're used for the exhortation, the edification, and the comfort of God's people. Let me explain something to you. Edification is like the improvement or the uplifting, the encouraging, right? This is when a word goes forth. There's a reason I'm talking about this. When a word goes forth, you feel uplifted because it's like, okay, God, you see me now. Exhortation is urging someone to do something, and comfort, we know what comfort is, right? We feel the peace of God. We feel at rest because he sees us. Anything that God creates or he's gifted us with, the enemy's going to try and counterfeit. Okay? So this same thing, um, when I say people are hungry for the real thing, they're hungry for real power, they're hungry for real experiences, they're hungry for the heart of God, they want to see God in his fullness, yet... Some people are still confused and they're behind the veil. I'm, ta- I'm going to read that scripture in a little bit. The veil has to be removed, but it's only when you're in a relationship with Jesus that the veil is lifted. And th- there's clarity on the things of God in the spiritual realm. But before you come into a relationship with God, there's a seeking after something. And sometimes people get confused and they seek after the wrong thing. So th- has the enemy counterfeited prophetic? Yes, absolutely. Tarot cards, Palm readings, magic eight balls, false prophets, crystal ball readings. These are all ways the enemy has tried to mimic the power of God, but we know that participating in them will only bind a person up and put them in spiritual bondage. Ephesians 5, 11 says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. How about healings and miracles? Are those real? Did Jesus walk in them? Yeah. Was he the glory of God in person? Yes. Okay. We see all throughout the New Testament, Jesus is healing the sick, setting the captives free, touching people, ministering to people. Has the enemy tried to counterfeit healings or the manner in which you're healed as well? Yes, he has through witchcraft, through alternative medicines. Okay, why am I saying all of this? The enemy is so sly, he's so crafty. It says in the word that he parades around like an angel of light trying to deceive people and yet he is the father of lies. There's no truth within this foul creature who needs to go back to hell where he originated from. I'm so sick of the enemy. I'm so sick of the work that he is doing, even trying to be divisive and and destructive within the body of Christ. So we are living in in a time, if people are are hungry for something that's real, we're living in a time as believers where our very lives can be the representation of the true manifest glory of God. That is what we get to do. We get to be the carriers. That's why we're studying this. Let's look at the last example. All right. In John chapter four, verse 46 to 54, I'm going to write it here. Uh, Again, I don't think, yeah, just the reference is up there. So if you want to turn there, you can. We see Jesus do a healing work and his glory is revealed through a healing. And it says this, um, once more, Jesus visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. So we're talking about a life and a death situation. This guy had enough faith to say, I've heard about this Jesus. I'm going to go approach him and see if he will come and touch my son who needs a miraculous healing. This is what Jesus said to him. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. In the New Living Translation, he said this. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? You know who he was talking to? He wasn't talking to this man. There were skeptics that followed him as well. There were religious people that tried to trap him. He was talking to these people because he had just been moving in miracles, signs, and wonders, and yet Jesus is like, I'll continue to do what I was sent here to do, but are you truly going to believe? Don't be a skeptic. Uh, If I can say something to you, jump in to the river and believe that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. Ask the Lord to increase your faith today. The royal official said, verse 49, sir... Come down before my child dies. And Jesus said, go, your son will live. We see that this man had, um, faith to approach Jesus then we see the second level of faith is that he now is going to receive the word that God just said Jesus said go your son will live he had a choice in the moment to continue to beg Jesus to come and be the one to do the miracle on the scene or to take him at his word and to go and to see the miracle manifest amen so this is what the man do did the man took Jesus at his word and departed That's faith coupled with action. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that the boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And then the father realized all of a sudden, that was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he And his whole household believed. The glory of God was manifested in a healing without Jesus even being present, physically present. All he did was speak the word. What's that scripture in Psalm 107? He sent his word and what? You guys don't know this? He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. He took him at his word and he departed. He spoke the glory of God to be revealed. Aaron, if you want to come back to the keys. This is pretty amazing because we can't merely just say that we believe that Jesus can take care of our problems. Uh, Just saying that isn't enough. We have to act as if he can. When you pray about a need or a problem, believe as though you, uh, live as though you believe that Jesus can do what he says. When you pray about a need or a problem, live as though you believe that Jesus can do what he says. This man was living, acting faith. We see a beautiful picture, but... Not only did he receive the word and did he go and did he, he got the news on his way. Your son, he's alive. He's well. The fever left the same time Jesus spoke the word. The healing was already manifested. Jesus has already spoken healing over those of you who need healing today. And now we just get to receive it. Now we just get to receive it. The glory of God was manifested in this household. And who believed in this instance? An entire household came to faith. God is interested in showing us His glory so that we can see Him in His fullness and other people will believe, and his children, his own followers, received signs to cause them to believe, and to believe, and to believe. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. What are you potentially weary in today? What are you potentially needing to stir up your faith a little bit today? Because if we're going to be a people who see God's glory revealed in this household, Uh, In greater measures this year, how many of you know it's good to start with us, to start with the body? Amen? Amen? Amen. God has something for you today. Are you here to get it? The Lord wants to reveal his glory in you. He wants to reveal his glory through you. Some of you, the stirring that you're sensing today is actually more of like the call to God. I've already, I I, I live it. Like I am seeking you. I am hungry for you. I, I want to see. You know, there's a scripture that talks about when God shows himself to Hagar and she says, Oh, you are the God who sees me many of you, you need to just hear as a reminder, God sees you. He cares about the details of your life. But some of you are like, you're like, um, I want to see you, God. I want to see you now. I want to see you. I want to see you in my everyday life. I want to see you in the word. I want to see you in my family. I want to see you in my marriage. I want to see you at work. I want to see you when I'm driving in the car. I want to see your glory revealed day after day after day so that other people I rub up against can catch the glory. Some of you want to be, there's a hunger in you to be that carrier. I, I pray it's all of you, but some of you have that, that stirring. I want the glory of God to thro- flow through me so that I can lay the hands on the sick, my hands on the sick, and see them recover because God has actually given us instruction in his, in his word that we're supposed to do that. We're actually supposed to do, you know what it says in verse John 2, 6? It says, those who say they live in God, this is a very humbling verse, should live their lives as Jesus did, period. Are we living our lives as Jesus did, or are we too stuck in the um, fear of man? Are we are we too stuck in the what ifs? Are we too stuck in the? I'm not certain that I want to step out in my faith. As we go into this ministry time, and I purposely left a decent amount of time for this, I I see it kind of as three parts. And the first part is this. I'm going to give you in a minute, minute the chance to come to this altar as a sign that you want to carry the glory of God, that you are in a place of hunger, you are seeking his face, and you want to be a glory carrier. You want the glory of God to flow through you. You want to see the the sick healed. You want to see people who are actually held captive and in bondage that you work with and spiritually and mentally tormented. You want to see those people set free and you want to be the one to lay hands on them and see it happen. I'm going to give you a minute to just pray about that and and let that marinate. And I'm going to call you forward. And then I'm just going to pray a general prayer over all of you. That's the first thing we're going to do. And then we're going to return to our seats. And I've invited, I spoke a little bit in the middle of the message about the prophetic words of knowledge that go forth. Some of you are familiar. If you've been around, we've had Brother Andre come and he operates in that ministry. And, and you personally have received a word, and um, it has been life-changing for you, it has exhorted you, it has edified you, it has comforted you, it has given you godly direction or confirmation, I'm going to invite Steve Stupar. He actually, some of you have probably received words from him before. He also has been in prayer and in fasting over this morning, and we're going to just see what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today. And then when he's finished, we're going to also just open the altars and I'm going to believe for the glory of God in you today. If you have an ailment, a sickness, a if you're mentally tormented, if there's something in you that you've been believing God for, why don't you be like this government official and say, when God says, go, your son will live. When he says, part of your, uh, I got to look it up. Hold on. I'm not techie like Zach. Everything's paper. You still love me? All right, that's nice of you. Okay, Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like eagles. If there's something in your life that's not good, it's not God. And I wanna pray with you today that God manifests his glory in you. You know what phrase I want our body to start kind of capturing is, God, as we pray for each other, God, would you reveal your glory in this person right now? And you come in agreement because where two or three are there, no, where two agree upon anything here on earth, so shall it be done for them by their Father in heaven. You come in agreement and you say, God, would you would you manifest your glory in my friend's situation? And then when they come back to you and give you the testimony, your response is to God be the glory. That's what I want. That's what I want. So right now, if that first, we're just gonna move into this time. If that first uh, altar response resonates in you and there's a stirring in you. Just feel the, this is when you step out of your seat, this is your sign to the Lord. This is why you're. Not, I, I'm calling you out, right? Everything God, Jesus did a whole bunch of stuff publicly. And in fact, he says, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my father. There should be no shame in your game. So I just want you to feel comfortable if, if that's you. This is stepping out of your seat. Is just, would you use me how you want to use me, Lord? I want to be an instrument for honorable use. I am determined in 2024 to seek you like I've never sought after you before because God, I want you to flow through me. You know, the prophet Elijah, when he, every miracle that he experienced was out of an intimacy with his father. It didn't happen without the relationship. It did not happen without the relationship. Just stepping out of your seat is is a sign to the Lord. So just raise your hands, and I'm going to pray over you. If you're in your seat and you want to join, feel free. Father, I thank you for the hearts of these people. Just begin to cry out to God. I thank you for the hearts of these people. Lord, I thank you that this is a body who is hungry to seek the face of God in 2024 like we have never sought before. God, you see our desire. You know our hearts. God, you know our motives, Lord Jesus, and it is a pure motive, God, just to seek the face of God. Lord, as we go deeper with you, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would take these people into new levels like they've never experienced before. That they would have revelation and as Paul prayed in Ephesians, that you would enlighten the eyes of their hearts so that they may know you better. Give them the spirit of wisdom. Give them the spirit of revelation. Let them seek after you, God, so that they can go from their private place and they can be an instrument of honorable use father I speak that over these people who have willing hearts right now make them instruments of honorable use baptize them with fresh fire right now from heaven in Jesus name we can't do it without the spirit of God in us and upon us in the name of Jesus baptize these people fresh and new right now in Jesus name Come on, you can only seek him yourself. I can't do it for you. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've got something new in store. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are gonna do mighty works through your people, Father, that will cause other people in this county, in this region, Father, it will cause a great harvest of souls. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're gonna use these people because they are willing, open, ready vessels. Bless them, Lord. Touch them right now with the fire of God. Hallelujah. Give them more, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Access Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online at scaccesschurch.com or on any social media platform. And if you're listening from the State College or surrounding area, we would love to have you join us for a weekend service in the future.